know if anyone here has been to the Holy Land. Out of curiosity, has anybody here has been the opportunity to get to the Holy Land? Class. Epic. Oh, good woman, Becky. I wouldn't doubt it. Class. Beautiful. Good. Um, I was there, I got the chance to go out about 10 years ago. Um, extraordinary place to go and see, and it's always something I would encourage people, if they ever had the opportunity and were able to, is to go and visit the great, the Holy Land. Because, folks, the scriptures literally are not the same when you visit that place. Um, to be able to visualize the actual sites and the places where these men and women walked and carried out ministry is absolutely, it's, it's such a gift, to say the least. But Bethlehem, um, it was a spot I was never impressed with. I remember the first time when I, when I arrived there to the bus, we had to go under a huge big arch sign. And to be honest with you, it looked like I was going into Jurassic Park because there was this big arch with Gloria in excelsis Deo written in big red light letters. And it, it looked like you know, a theme park, Disney or something I was going into. So I kind of didn't pay much heed to it. But then down the road, you have, of course, then the great basilica built over a very small cave. And this basilica, it's pretty run down. It's a huge basilica with a very small door to get in and out of, believe it or not. And you go inside to walk up this big long nave up towards a sanctuary and there's this holes in the floor, and I was there, there was anyway. Very dark, there's a few candles lighting and small windows letting a bit of light. That was about it. And you go up to the sanctuary and turn to the right hand side and that's where you go down these steps behind the sanctuary. And they're very claustrophobic, I found them anyway, because it's only a small archway to go down very few short steps, just down below the sanctuary, underground. And on your right-hand side straight away is a small marble shelf. That's half the size of the, of the altar here. And underneath it, on the ground, is a, is a silver star with a hole in it, in which you can place your hand to touch a piece of rock, in where it was said that Our Lady gave birth to Christ at that site. And then when you get up after getting down into that, Behind you, to the left, about a metre and a half, there's another hole in the wall, for want of a better expression. Um, it's where the manger was, a truck. Essentially, the manger was a truck where the animals fed out of, where Christ was placed into as a child. Really small, very unassuming, and the walls are covered in, in, in tapestries and, and curtains to, to, to beat the band. But that's about the only colour that's in there. So it's quite an extraordinary, very unassuming, and it didn't make much impression on me, I must confess. But that's the site where Christ is born, in a cave. And you know, folks, it is amazing to think that's where God became one of us. Um, I mean, what we're celebrating here this evening is quite extraordinary. Uh, where the Christ King was born in the middle of nowhere is nothing short of extraordinary. And folks, in many respects, I think this kind of points to one of the most beautiful aspects of the Christian faith. It's that it's very real. These are real men and women who were caught up in an extraordinary moment in the history of this planet. And we have been feeling the effects of it ever since. I mean, it's, I suppose there's a difference, folks, between Christianity and, say, the Greek, the Egyptian, or the ancient Roman religions, because you can't visit Mount Olympus, the site, the ruins of Zeus's home, but you can visit Nazareth. You can visit where Christ is born, where Peter is buried now, where all those men and women carried out their ministry. It's a whole different ballgame altogether. And then, folks, it is amazing the simplicity into which Christ the King was born into. Into poverty, essentially. But what Jesus had was the tender and powerful embrace of a loving mother and the powerful protection of a good father. And I think, folks, that brings us to what we're all about here tonight. Love. It's all about love. 
That little baby image in our crib here in front of us represents love with a human face. That Christ himself is love encased in human flesh. Every crib that all of us have, either in our sitting room, on the windowsill, in the hall, uh, in the bedroom, believe it or not, a bit weird, but some people do that, they have it in the bedroom, fair enough, whatever you're into. That little image of baby Jesus in the crib is a representation of God encased in human flesh. And folks, look at you and I, we have been subjected to some extraordinary fear over the past two years. I mean, desperate stuff, um, which has only increased, and today has been a big example of it. And I think it's something that few people in my generation have ever experienced, this level of bombardment of fear, one bang after another. And I would wager it's probably not since the 1960s, when the, the, the world was threatened under nuclear war, or indeed the Second World War, that our world has been subjected to so much fear, and real fear at that. People are now afraid of each other, and I mean terrified. And that's why, folks, I would say, be careful. Be really careful what feeds you fear. Turn it off if it's feeding you fear. Turn the damn thing off. Because, you know, if all we're doing is watching screens, shaking our heads and feeling anxious the whole time, that surge of anxiety, turn it off. You don't need that in your life. Lord God knows enough pressures in life as it is. And I know there's a fair number of people watching this online tonight. You're very welcome, of course. But many of them are terrified to come to this church tonight. Terrified to sit in all the empty spaces around our church. That's not good. It really isn't. Folks, it's because what fear can lead us to is why Christ, our blessed King, became one of us in the first place. He came, folks, to give us real hope, not the false promise of a politician, but real hope that endures and has endured since he arrived and will always and continue to endure. That the fear, the anger, the hatred, the violence, the evil, and the darkness that so many of us are subjected to in this world does not have the final say in our lives. And the birth of Christ, the King at Bethlehem, is the greatest hope this world has ever experienced and probably will ever experience again. Whether you're secularized or not, it doesn't matter. The story of Christmas has its amazing effect on everybody. And the hope that Christ's arrival brought everybody, it didn't end 2,000 years ago. It's not just, just a historical fact that you know, fades into the pages of history, like the Battle of um, Actium between Mark Anthony, say, and, and, and Octavian over the death of Julius Caesar. Those men are dead. That was a battle that took place once in our world, but it's fed into the history books. Christ's birth, it affects us still and always will. Why? Because that child at Bethlehem is still alive. And the gift that he gives us, folks, and continues to give us, is to know that paradise, what we call heaven, eternal life with God, is open to each and every one of us. I mean, that is some gift received from God that he's that close to us, no one is on their own to gather us together. It's something, folks, I think that should give us a pause for a moment and to give God thanks as much as possible. And it's incumbent on all of us, especially for those of us who take the faith very, very seriously, to be a dedicated and honest follower of Christ, to make an effort, an extra effort this coming year to, to, to wash away 
the horrific fear our lives and our world is saturated in at the moment. To wash away the anger, the hatred and the darkness with an increase in acts of love, words of hope, acts of joy. And that is why I'm going to ask everyone one very simple question this Christmas. Will you stand with the newborn king of Bethlehem to be the knights in shining armor that our world is craving for at the moment? Uh, men and women who live their lives by as best they can the example of what Christ has shown us to love one another in this world. That's what eradicates the fear. That's what eradicates all forms of darkness. To love one another. And you know what? To those who have lost their faith in Christ, those who don't know him, that those in the world who crave real hope and lasting hope, they will turn to those who offer example in their lives and ask the question, where does your joy come from? Where does your hope come from? Where does the increase in your love come from? And all we have to do then is simply point to the newborn king at Bethlehem. Because of his birth, folks, there is nothing, and I mean nothing, to be afraid of.